Major League Baseball starts um, it's usually about April 1st, and they're supposed to start on time this year. They're they're deadening the ball a little bit this year. They feel like they've got too many home runs. What, they actually said that? Yeah. They're going to deflate them a little bit? <laughs> Zombie baseball's an MLB's home run problem from the Wall Street Journal. The all-or-nothing obsession with dingers has altered the game. They don't think for the better, so they're deadening the ball a little bit. Taking some of the oomph out of its official game ball. Uh, the home runs are at an all-time high, but so are strikeouts. For whatever reason, the strategy has is, is gotten around where, uh, you know, they've done the, uh, what, the what, what do they call that? You know, the Brad Pitt movie. The analytics. The analytics on it, that that's a better way to go. It's swing for the fences I, I every fe- time. I, I'm not sure how much is pulling which way, but part of it is the analytics, and part of it is... If you want to get a big contract, you mm. better hit home runs. Mm. The the people who you know bunt to to move the runner over a base, they're not getting the gigantic contracts when they're when their uh, current one is up. Also, got the problem of casual fans like home runs. I like because I got super into baseball. I love the whole you know get a single, bunt them over, steal third, you know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that the casual fan wants a home run so. Anyway, well, they're deadening the ball to cut it back a little bit. It's not going to be a lot. It's going to take like three feet off the the, the the typical line drive, but they 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 calculated that that will cut down home runs by X percent or something. So, I'm guessing it won't be as by as much as they think. I don't know. Um, uh, I am going to do the uh, Governor Cuomo thing. I, I've mentioned it several times throughout the show. It's it's a giant scandal. It needs to get a lot of attention. Um, there in the government of New York. Um, the main point for me being that this is what politicians do. This is what bureaucracies do. This is what governments do. They lie and hide things to their own benefit. They always have. They always will. And that's why you got to be incredibly skeptical of government. But I'll get to that in a second. But first, we need to take a fond look back at the week that was. And it was an historic week with an impeachment and a Super Bowl in one week. Oh, my gosh. We call this cow clips of the week. I had wild dreams of wouldn't to be president. I thought I could be a flanker back. For the NFL's top team, the Delaware Dirt Devils. It's like milk. Made for humans. <laughs> Worse, Michael Cohen will appear in a Stormy Daniels movie. This is what the left is obsessed with. Not real progress. This nonsense. AstraZeneca before Pfizer. Great appetizer. Pfizer before AstraZeneca injected Aganica. The member's right. It is a global pandemic. It exists in the United States, which has significantly lower unemployment and added 50,000 jobs last month. And uh, I, the other day... When I was down here in Washington, I came down earlier in the week to try to figure out how to find my way around. I worked in this building 40 years ago. I got lost then, and I still do. George Washington didn't beat the Redcoats in a game of three-on-three. I mean, although he would have, dude was 6'2 in the 1700s. Back then, he was basically Shaq in a powdered wig. But I want to turn our mind to the Constitution, which was, you know, written in... 
1787, ratified a year later, and it's been in operation since 1789. Do you think the framers ever thought that their words would be juxtaposed with live video? They have their spray in the crowd. Their spray in the crowd. We've been paid till we've lost the line. I want the record to reflect that I did not call Senator Sanders an ignorant slut. Wow. A lot there. The ups and downs, the very serious, the hilarious. I feel like, so we had a little in there of the rambling lawyer for Donald Trump. Um, I, I His second lawyer did much better, and I hope that's the guy that takes the lead today with the, uh, the closing arguments, because that first lawyer for Trump did, you know, n- nobody... Nobody, you know, all the Republicans went to that guy last night and said, hey, you got your act together this time? You got a plan instead of just like winging it? But I feel like we didn't enjoy the comedy stylings here. Can we can we play that again? This is somebody mocking Trump's lawyer, Castor, from the other day because the guy just stood up there and, and just went from subject to subject to subject without ever making a point. Specifically, I want to talk about three things. The third thing is, I guess, really a paramount to the Northern Union what we have, and I guess really also with both the Democrats and the Republicans. And I say that because I know I did. By telling everybody, and again, I'm from Washington, so when I say everybody, I mean, you know, a select group. Hopefully that we, and then I guess, I don't, but I know some people who have. The very last thing I'd like to point out is this. What, if any, and if not, how much? I think that's the question. I know it's the question. The answer, I think, lies, there's that word again. But speaking of politics, I do know that, that it's almost time to boogie out the law you know, what we have, and I guess really has that to a notion. So until then, you're on your own. Remember what I've always said. You're never completely worthless. You can always serve as a bad example. <laughs> what if how many and if how many, how much? Or That's the question. <laughs> and the truth lies, well, there's that word again. <laughs> That's not far off of what actually happened. No. That's really barely even a comedy bit. That's just kind of more of the, 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 what that guy did. Holy cow, that was an all-timer. Um, like Alan Dershowitz said, I have no idea what this guy's trying to say. Um, there's a move right now to censure Governor Cuomo of New York. And his own party is leading this. Democrats and Republicans are beating him up on it. But even the, the Democrats are going after the third-term Democrat, Governor Cuomo of New York. Calling for censure, including stripping the governor of his emergency powers during the pandemic, federal and state investigations, and resignations of uh, a bunch of top officials. Why? Because it, it's been known for a couple of weeks now that they underreported by a lot, by like 50%. How many people died of COVID in the old folks' homes? Then Governor Cuomo made that awful statement of, what difference does it make? They died. They died. Whether it was an old folks' home or a hospital, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a pretty big difference. If by sending people with COVID into old folks' homes, you sped up the death of uh, your older population in the state of New York, I think that makes a pretty big difference. And then yesterday, for some reason, maybe just her conscience, this uh, woman, Melissa DeRosa, who is uh, secretary and one of the aides to Governor Cuomo, on a call with other Democrats, came clean. I'll just read it as it's written in the New York Times. The latest revelations came in the wake of private remarks by the governor's top aide, Melissa DeRosa, and a cascading series of reports and court orders that have nearly doubled the state's official toll of nursing home deaths in the last two weeks. 
In a conversation first reported by the New York Post, Ms. DeRosa told a group of top lawmakers on Wednesday during a call that basically we froze after being asked last summer for information by the Trump administration's Justice Department. At the time, the governor's office was simultaneously simultaneously facing requests from um, a bunch of different groups who were looking into why so many deaths in the old folks' homes. We were in a position where we weren't sure if we were going to give the Department of Justice or what to give to you guys and what to say, so we just froze, and we covered up the numbers. Um, one state senator, a Democrat, said this is a betrayal of the public trust. There needs to be a full accountability of what happened. They just lied about the numbers and hid them knowing, they knowingly. I mean, completely knowing they were covering up a scandal. And not only should you just be honest with the numbers, no matter what they are, when you're a public official, it kept other states from knowing, um, say, having information early on. Okay, this is what happens if you do this. I'm not as uh, hard on Governor Cuomo as some people are for 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 making a bad decision, and it was a, ended up being a terrible decision. But he thought it was the right thing to do in the beginning to get the old folks' homes, out, old folks out of hospitals, away from COVID, and into the, the 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 senior care. But he took people that had COVID, put them in the senior facilities, spread COVID, and then thousands and thousands and thousands of people died. But once you make that bad decision, you got to live with it. You got to own it. You got you just have to when you're a public official. You don't get to cover up the numbers and pretend that it didn't happen. I mean, that's just unconscionable on its face. Let alone. When you consider the fact that that information would have been available to other states around the country to know what happened, to be able to react accordingly and save more lives. It's really, really an awful thing to do. He is done politically, I guarantee you. Well, if he's in a blue, blue state, if the Democrats are going to censure him and strip him of his emergency powers during, during the pandemic, he's certainly not going to be you know, anything again in New York and certainly not going to be a presidential candidate like everybody was talking about there uh, early in the pandemic when he was the darling of CNN and they would run his whole press conference every single day. Just awful. And again, my point with this would be, this is what power does almost always. It's the history of power. It's the history of government. They, they, they get into a bind. Even if you start out as a decent, honest person, for whatever reason, you get in a bind, you lie to try to hang on to power it's just what they do. And, um, you know, it's been said a whole bunch of times this week, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It's it's you know, keep an eye on the power, always. That's enough of that. I'm going to hear from Mike Lyons later this hour about threats around the world. He's a military analyst. What threats does the Biden administration have? It's staring in its face as they head into uh, their four-year term. But before that, interesting article in the New York Times last week, about video games, the latest studies on whether kids playing violent video games leads to any violence. This is super important in my household as my kids are just getting to the age where they can move out of like, you know, Minecraft and Zelda into some, you know, some of the other stuff. And so far we've been holding back on it while uh, like Sam's friends play some of this stuff. This information is interesting. Sean's really into video games, knows a lot about it. I'll read from the article. See what you think. Coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. 603 F93 NMLS 302352. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm finding 
a story about some people in the Caribbean who were quarantining a little too well. This morning, three Cuban nationals are recovering after being stranded on a remote, deserted island for five weeks. The married couple and another man were found on Anguilla Key, a small island between Key West and the Bahamas. We actually discovered them waving uh, next to their um, a temporary shelter that they had built for themselves. Pictures show the shelter the three had made. With little food and water, they reportedly survived off rats and conch shells. Good Lord, people. That sounds absolutely traumatic. To be on a beach and not be able to Instagram it? Whew. That is a punishment I wish on nobody. 30 days. That's a long time. You'd have had to come to the conclusion that it's damn likely you're going to die there. Oh, that's rough. I don't know. They seem to figure out the rat buffet pretty well. <sighs> wonder how long. You know they're going to end up on Dr. Phil or Jimmy Kimmel or their own documentary or whatever. But uh, I wonder how long, I wonder how hungry they had to get before they turned to rats. It'd be a couple days before I get hungry enough that I think, okay, starting to look pretty good. But it wouldn't be day one. See, the, here's the tricky thing. You need to start trying to catch the rats before you're desperate enough to, to eat right. the rat. And you don't want to be weak with hunger. Exactly. So it requires a little forethought. You know, the rats don't want to be caught. And that's why you'd live and I'd die. Because I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't think of that until I'm too weak to chase down the rat. I wonder how they caught the rats. That's its own interesting story. Rats aren't easy to catch. No, they're quick. Hmm. Then how did they eat them? Did they cook them? They didn't have any fire probably, right? Um, Were they eating uh, rat tartare? It would be hard for me to imagine that they didn't have fire and survive for 30 days. I figure they figured that out at some point. I need to read more about this. Oh, man, if they ate that rat's raw, I'd I'd have to be dying of hunger to do that. To eat a rat like an apple? Just bite into oh it. I was fine until you said like an apple. Yeah, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> uh, just hold it by its tail and lure it into your mouth like it's a chocolate strawberry on Valentine's oh Day. <laughs> just real romantic life. <laughs> um, so my oldest son is uh, going to be 11 here in a couple of weeks, and his brother's nine. And we, uh, they're, they're big on, um, Minecraft and Zelda for video games. Nothing that is, uh, first person shooter or much shooting really at all. My wife's more concerned about this than I am, although I am concerned, but his friends are already playing Fortnite and, uh, which I don't know a thing about. And, um, uh, what's the one where you're a soldier? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. So F- Fortnite exists very much in the middle of Call of Duty and kind of the Zelda stuff. It's a very cartoony Yeah, which gets into in this article. Yeah. This will come up. So this is from the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, and it got my attention. And if you're a parent, I'm um, sure you're interested, too. Whether your kids are younger or older, violent video games aren't ruining your kids, but it's good to discuss them. Long-term study addresses the nuanced effects. Okay, so let's read through a little bit of this. The video game research is very hotly contested and debated, and most of the research is very short-term because video games haven't been around. A lot of video games people are playing haven't been around long enough to have a a long uh, study on it. So it's hard for parents to know what to do. She suggests parents consider several factors when determining what kind of games to let their kids play. Look at their personality, how they're doing in life, their friends, not just the game. Okay, that makes sense. The study didn't distinguish between cartoonish violence and graphic violence, Mm. which I think is interesting. 
Most violent video games that existed when the study began were of a more graphic nature, like Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, and Gears of War. In recent years, games such as Fortnite have featured a more sanitized version of violence, providing an alternative to blood, bloody first-person shooter games. Fortnite has earned a T as a rating, which is for teens as opposed to an M for mature, which has given some parents uh, cover for letting their kids play it. Numerous studies have found that cartoon violence is no different for children than realistic-looking violence. I find that really hard to believe. I think it might just be because neither one of them has an effect. Right. Not so much that, that they're same, that just that neither one of them have much of an effect. Um, uh, and some studies specifically comparing cartoonish violence and graphic violence in video games have found the impact on aggression is similar. Uh, cartoon violence? Like, you know... Tom and Jerry stuff? Yeah. Is the same as first person... I, I, I feel like they, they, they need to do more studies on that. I'm, I'm not convinced but that, that that's what their study showed, but it just it doesn't ring true to me. I know we're out of time. Um, I'll keep my eye on this. But for now, that study, the most recent study, says they don't see a link between um, violent video games and, and kids ending up being violent. I don't know if it was paid for my Nintendo. Armstrong and Getty. So we're going to do something different here, but when we uh, next segment, we'll follow up a little bit more on the violent video games in the latest study because uh, Sean had some points to make. If you're if you're like me and you're trying to decide, you know which uh, which video games you want your kids to play or what age you want to let them play, because I, I do worry about this, I and mean, you ought to. If you're not worried about it, you're not being a very good parent. Um, but he's got some insights on that as a guy who uh, grew up with that sort of stuff and everything. Um, but that's next segment. We'll, we'll hit that a little bit. We want to talk to Mike Lyons, a military analyst we've had on for years about some of the threats that are the, the, the Biden administration faces in the world. Obviously, China's always on that list. Um, um, but, uh, you know, start a new administration, start fresh look at the world and, and what we need to worry about. Mike Lyons, he served in various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career. He's got a bachelor of science degree from the United States Military Academy at West Point. MBA um, from New York University, all-around smart guy, and a guy we like to talk to. Mike Lyons, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. How are you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me back. How's your life, by the way, uh, a year into coronavirus? Yeah, we're still in pandemic hell here in New York, frankly. Um, things are just opening up, uh, 10% of sports events. Um, I live close to New York City, and um, you know, restaurants are closed. I've had friends and, and, and relatives just seriously impacted. Their businesses are still closed. Yeah. You know, we live under a, a governor that uh, rules with an iron fist, and um, the media lets him get away with it, frankly. So, you know, we, we just kind of, every day is Groundhog Day. We live day to day, and we just, you know, hope, uh, hope things change as the vaccine gets out there. Oh, and his administration covers up and lies about people dying, which we'll talk about later this hour. Yeah, it's pathetic. Uh, so before we get to China, which has obviously got to be the, probably the biggest part of the conversation, what are the big threats that Joe Biden faces in his new administration around the world? 
you know, when, when Mike asked me uh, to talk today about that, I really you know, had to think about it and say that, you know, we've talked in the past about our strength of our military and what our military can do and the hammer that it is. But I, I really am now thinking that this Biden administration or any administration, the way we are in the world right now, there's so many more threats that are even non-military related, cyber, for example, uh, drug production, uh, technology transfers. The thing with the Chinese, for example, is the Chinese might not threaten us militarily, but the bottom line is if all information eventually flows through Chinese routers and the Internet and they control those kinds of things, you know, that, that, that has the real impact on, on our country. And so while we focus, continue to focus on our military might and, you know, our budget shows that we're going to invest more in our Navy, we're going to, sell, you know, we're going to make sure that the shipping lanes are open in the South uh, Pacific and, and the like, um, information, I think, more and more every day becomes more powerful than than uh, the sword on some level. So I think that uh, the Biden administration is going to have to focus on more than just the kinetic issues, but uh, the threats that we face with non-military forces. So does it make sense to um, continue to have troops in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, keep our eye on Iraq and all that sort of stuff while we're doing this? Or can we even do that? Well, the, the Trump administration has allowed the Biden administration an off-ramp in Afghanistan. And frankly, if they don't take it, they're just stupid. Uh, you know, we've been there for 20 years. It's Vietnam without the body bags. Uh, we're going to have the same situation. The Taliban will take over eventually in a few years. Maybe it won't be 18 months. But um, if they don't take advantage of this, then I don't know when we're ever going to get out of there. And, and for, you know, the, the, the Biden administration's foreign policy can't be everything the opposite of what Donald Trump did because he did a lot of good things. And shift that back over to Iran. You shift that to the Middle East. Um, you know, we're, we're about to see, you know, like who concert meet the new boss, same as the old boss, because if we start shifting our attention away from Israel, uh, try to overthrow the government in Syria, you know, we're going to have failed nation states. We're going to have the same foreign policy we've had for the past 30 years before that, uh, with Iran in the center of it being the greatest foreign policy failure in the history of, of the countries in, in the post-World War II era. So let's see what, let's see what happens. But um, I, I do think that we've got to think the third dimension now and, and recognize that it's not just that situation of troops on the ground, and that's not going to be what's going to project power. Iran is the greatest foreign policy failure in uh, the post-World War II era. That's an interesting thing for you to say. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know you could argue Vietnam. We lost fifty six thousand souls there, and that that was a tremendous failure. But everything from nineteen seventy nine, from the revolution that took place when we were young men, in you know, I was in high school at the time, just starting my military career, and 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 everything that we look at today is off focus of the the fact that Iran fell back then. Uh, they had that war with Iraq, and you saw the Iraq War in the nineties with Desert Storm, and then you saw what what all led up to the you know, the Taliban making their way in, inside of uh, of Afghanistan. So, I, I, you know, had had that not happened, I think, you know, we didn't see that coming. We didn't see that revolution take place in Iran. And and, and to Barack Obama's uh, credit, he tried to fix that. You know, again, he, he figured that that would be a good legacy project. Let's, let's fix it. But the way to fix it is not to give them nuclear weapons and not allow them to have them in 10 years, which is really what that deal was going to do. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that the Biden administration, uh, all their talk about things they were going to do on day one and get back into the Iranian nuclear agreement and all that sort of stuff, they have not lifted sanctions. And uh, Joe right. Biden said the other day that we're not going to unless you stop making uranium. Iran announced yesterday that they are going to, uh, you know, enrich uranium. Yep. 
Yeah, the fatwa that uh, came out with uh, from the mullahs there is, uh, is all by the wayside. And, you know, if they were going to use nuclear energy in order to power hospitals and the like and, and that thing, that, that, that would be fine. But they're not. They're going to – it's going to go down this path, and the question is what's going to happen. And we're going to sit on the sidelines, with, with you know, on our hands, and we're going to watch Israel and Saudi Arabia. There's this lineup taking place now between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and other Arab nations against the Persian countries. Uh, Turkey could get sucked into that, too, and then NATO's involved, and now we've got a real problem. So it remains a tinderbox. The question is whether or not um, the Iranians are going to eventually comply in some ways and make some kind of deal. I, I'm not sure. The Europeans now, they're, they're, t- they're done with America, frankly. I, you, you, they're tired of being whipsawed between these administrations about going back and forth about who's in charge. So they're not, I don't think they're going to have any trust in the Biden administration at all right now. They're going to stay on the sidelines until this gets figured out. Wow, that's really interesting. Talking with Mike Lyons, military analyst. We've talked to him for years uh, and, and enjoy his company. Um, so we were talking a little bit ago about that uh, cyber attack on the water treatment plant in Florida. Right. And, you know, uh-huh. was that a test run or what the heck was that? Um, yeah. And I was just picturing that 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 nut job that blew up that truck in Nashville uh-huh. shut down cell phone service for like a giant chunk of the country that day and for, yeah. for like an entire day. If you, if you have, if we had some sort of cyber attack from China where a whole bunch of water plants across the country all of a sudden the water's undrinkable and our cell right. phones got shut off, the level of panic you would have in this country. Um, for, you know, 24, 48 hours would allow China to do anything. And by the time right. we all got our act together and figured out what was going on, it'd be too late. They'd be done with whatever operation they'd done. Isn't that a real possibility for how this unfolds? Yeah, I, I'm not a FUD guy, fear, uncertainty, and doubt in that regard. But that's exactly the threat that is out there, that non-military threat starts in that direction and then is followed up potentially by something kinetic then they could turn around and attack our ships in the south pacific sea they could use that as a again as an off-ramp to start something but I, that is clear and, and these um infrastructure of the critical infrastructure within our water systems electricals grids they've got to be continuously reinforced and make sure that we can cut the problems off if they are compromised that's a, that's a, what what the, what happened there is someone doesn't even have to be in the United States in order for that to happen that it goes through a Chinese route or someplace you know North Korea North Korea's greatest cyber threat it doesn't even sit inside the boundaries of North Korea so that's why if there's one thing the world has learned is don't fight the United States conventionally you don't want to get the U.S. Army involved the U.S. Air Force involved you don't want to do any of those things because you're going to get your butt you know kicked mm-hmm. it's not going to work out but you can do things like this the soft power and, and have where the United States has peers. We have peers in these in these areas where we had no peers in those other places, and so the, the enemy is going to go in those kinds of directions. And is the Pentagon aware of this? Are they, are they aware that, hey, we might have the Marine Corps and SEAL Team 6, but when it comes to the cyber stuff, we're, we're like everybody else? Right, every day, which is, again, why, you know, you look again what the Trump administration did with the Space Force. I think that's going to prove to be somewhat prescient because it's going to transcend not only defending that domain of space i think there's a layer of cyber that that is over it because of all the satellites that connect us and all of the things that that, that it goes through so i i do think that um we've our country eventually gets it right we made a lot of mistakes along the way in our history but in this case um there, there are enough people that recognize that uh, we the, the last war again fighting conventionally is not going to happen tank battles you know 30, we're 30 years from desert storm now that that was the largest tank battle in the history of the world you put the u.s seventh corps 140,000 troops online those days are gone those not that's not going to happen for our military the next war is going to take place uh, inside the internet wow that's really interesting stuff I, I hope uh, I hope the people uh, you know spending all that money 
all that taxpayer money on protecting the country uh, are aware of what you just said. I, I think, yeah, I think they are. And the point, though, is, but you're, you're right. It's got to be a bipartisan approach to it because the, the money still is going to want to get spent in districts that make tanks and make parts and all those other things. And that's where, you know, politicians are going to have to figure that out and where we're going to pivot away. Look, for example, the Army is going to struggle for a mission, I think, for the next 10 years. The Navy is going to get funded. The Air Force is going to get funded. The Army is really going to struggle for a mission because uh, there's just nobody to fight. One final question. Um, do we as a nation have the stomach for an actual kinetic battle with china if they were to you know want to close off the the shipping lanes or move on taiwan or something like that i don't know if as a nation we'd be willing to lose very many soldiers to stop that from happening whereas china they wouldn't care yeah we I, probably not for a long period of time because china also is going to go right for our carriers They're, they recognize that you sink a, uh, uh, you know, the USS Gerald Ford. You sink an aircraft carrier. You kill five thousand sailors. You 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 don't allow planes to land. Um, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go for it. That's what they're gonna do. I don't think we do. And and I I thought back in the seventies when Richard Nixon got the Chinese kind of on our side. We you know we couldn't manufacture a billion bullets because there's a billion of them to try to kill, from a military perspective. But. Uh, I don't know. I, I you know where does that war take place uh, kinetically? It, it likely takes place on the sea, um, and then what does it look like? Is it World War II where it starts on sea and then eventually has some land invasion? I, it's unthinkable, and I just we don't have either the patience or the stomach or you know the the, the wherewithal to try to think that that is going to do anything positive for our country or the world going forward. Well, the Biden administration, I think it was yesterday, said, uh, you know, a conflict would not be good for either one of us. I believe that's true for us. I don't know if China thinks that's true, that it wouldn't be good for them. So that's the problem. Anyway, appreciate your time today. Mike Lyons, military analyst. You can follow him. What's your your Twitter? At Major Mike Lyons on Twitter. Appreciate it. Good follow. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate the talk. Thanks for having me. I know for some of you that seems like real fanciful, this stuff will never happen. It, it'll happen. You know, when, I don't know. Is it going to be in a year or five years or ten years? I don't know. But that is China's plan. That is the only thing they spend their time thinking about is dethroning us as the world superpower. There's plenty of information out there to let you, uh, to let you know that. You can read all kinds of books, articles, people who know ins and outs of the way China works. That is what they're going to do. Do we have the stomach to stand up to it? I don't know. Uh, or any of our administrations. Anyway, our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me run with you tonight. I'll take you So we're taking in the um, defense from the Trump lawyers and uh, just checking in on it a little bit, let you know that. Uh, they're doing a way better job than they did the other day. I don't know what happened the other day where that guy showed up not prepared and just rambled on, but they've got all kinds of stuff today. Long video montages of various Democrat, Democrats, you know, calling for their side to fight and we got to punch them in the face and this and that and go to the Capitol and tell them what you think, you know, to make the point that politicians say this sort of thing all the time. They don't actually mean they want to storm the Capitol. Um, blah, blah, blah. So that, that's going to be the argument, which is going to give more than enough cover for most republicans to vote for uh vote no on this article of impeachment because of the way it was specifically written and he will not be convicted and that is going to happen this weekend it is going to be the result we all knew was going to happen and we'll discuss when it's over then um i wanted to finish this off just because it's important to me i might be making this decision this weekend or whether or not 
we get my uh, son certain video games as he turns 11 here in a couple of weeks. And I know for his birthday, he wants to play, be able to play Call of Duty like some of his friends do. And we were talking about this big study they wrote about in the New York Times where they say that there's really no evidence to show that violent video games lead to kids being more violent. In fact, they can't see any difference between cartoon violence and more realistic graphic violence in the video games. Um, which that is surprising to me. I mean, I, I think there'd be a different mental reaction to, uh, you know, Wiley Coyote having an anvil dropped on his head as opposed to I'm pretending to be with a guy with a gun shooting somebody who looks like a human being. Um, I've never played any of these video games. Sean, you grew up with them and have more experience and you've probably read some of the studies. So, uh, yeah, and I've played practically every game that has been mentioned so far. Uh, but I would say that specifically the study. Uh, seem to be studying specifically the effect of will this make your your child more violent? Uh-huh. Um, and I could believe that there isn't a difference between uh, Call of Duty and Fortnite, for an example, in, in that regards. But the more realistic is probably, and I don't I don't have a study study to cite this, but I would guess one is way more likely to give your child nightmares, for example, right? The, so it may not make your child more violent any more than the cartoonish version. But the the realistic uh, the depictions of violence um, are could have other effects that don't involve becoming violent. Interesting. Have you ever had nightmares, or did you as a kid when playing any of those? Not when I was a kid, but also the I was growing up almost kind of in tune with as graphics got good enough to where the, uh-huh. to by the time the Grand Theft Auto and the Call of Duty graphics were good enough to do that, I was probably already a teenager. Gotcha. Um, uh, How good are they now? Oh, really good. I mean, uh, lifelike, and uh, the, the a lot of them are based on these physics engines, right? So it, it's from my gamer adult brain. Is oh, cool! Look, look, his head went all the way over there, right? Like, it's, oh wow. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, my kids played some Walking Dead zombie thing mm-hmm. at the arcade. That was I was stunned by how yeah uh, how lifelike it was. Yeah, I I would say you can get a fairly accurate um idea of what sort of graphics and what sort of stuff your your kids games are doing largely because of the the business of i'm a professional gamer and i put out videos of me playing these games on youtube or on twitch or or the various platforms and doing a little bit of of precursor let me let me watch someone else play this game for a little bit to see what sort of experiences Mm. i'm going to be putting in front of my kid i i that's something i would do as a parent uh, yeah, and the one one point the article made, and this is certainly true, is it depends on the kid. I mean, if you if you've got a kid that's you know on the edge of violent behavior already, or you know having real problems in life for whatever reason, um, you know treat them differently than a kid that seems to be well adjusted to happy. That makes perfectly good sense to me. It doesn't. Well, we're out of time, but I was just I was just thinking, you know, part of the way the whole virtual reality thing works is it tricks your brain into thinking you're falling, for instance, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Why couldn't it trick your brain into thinking that this is a violent fight-or-flight graphic? I mean, it seems like the, the same premise would be there. Not Might not necessarily make you more violent, but like you said, nightmares would be disturbed in some way. Anyway, we'll have more chances to talk about this. Admit me chorus to this history. Who? Prologue like? Your humble patients pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge. The final thoughts of Armstrong and Getty. I really like that one. I don't know what any of it means. Here's your host for final thoughts, me, as Joe is traveling with his wife, Judy, 
I don't know what they're doing, but I suspect they're doing a bus trip, a cheese tasting through southern Wisconsin. Charcuterie boards, as far as the eye can see. That's just my guess. I don't actually know what they're doing. But anyway, let's get a final thought from Michelangelo. I gotta be quick. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Frogger, those are video games. Now you kids, get off my lawn. Have you ever thrown a frog into traffic? (laughs) Having played Frogger? Probably not. Let's get a final thought from Positive Sean. Didn't have nightmares as a kid, but I uh, played Tetris so much that I dreamed about it. That was something that happened in when I was uh, when I was a youth. That that's when I stopped playing video games. That's when I really just doubled down on it. <laughs> I got so into Tron, which nobody knows that game anymore. I got so into Tr- Tron when I was in high school briefly that I was dreaming about it and thinking about it in class, and I thought this is not good. <laughs> and I just quit, and I've never really played video games since. Um, it's dreaming about it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We are taking President's Day off, and we'll be back, all of us, on Tuesday to do the show. I guarantee you impeachment's over by Tuesday. Might be over this weekend. Thank God. See you then. God bless America. There'll be order in the house. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. As the athletes would say, we've left it all in the field. Yeah, that's just complete, utter nonsense. So let's just dispense with that fundamental, foundationally nonsense. That is the climax of foolishness. Figure it out! Or get off the podium! Have you considered being good at your job? The case is closed. When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. Go away! Armstrong and Getty.